Hello, and welcome to Signature Witch, the podcast where we explore captivating stories of passionate individuals using their unique talents and gifts to make an impact in the world. I'm your host, Melissa Dudek. What's your signature? On this episode of Signature Witch, I had the privilege of having a conversation with Kelly Whitaker Cummings, Chief Instructor and Northeast Curriculum Lead for Barry's Bootcamp. Kelly is a humble ray of sunshine to so many, especially her wife, Emily, and pups, Maddie and Charlie. She makes anyone and everyone who steps into that notorious red room feel like they're not only welcome there, but they belong there. Our conversation is rooted in the sport of running, which seems obvious given her career and the number of marathons that Kelly's completed, but we get into the nooks and crannies of what it means and how it feels to truly find joy and redemption in the darkest parts of your life. We talk about mental health, struggles with alcohol, and the Boston Marathon bombing of 2013. So if any of those subjects may be a trigger for you, I highly encourage you to please prioritize your mental well-being and engage with this episode only if you feel as though you're in a safe enough headspace to do so. As always, please take care of yourself throughout the episode, pause for breaks or reflection as needed, and know that you are absolutely never alone in your personal battles. We're here to share stories, provide insight, foster understanding, and hopefully shed a little bit of light for anybody who might be stuck in their own darkness. With that, this is Signature Witch. Introducing Kelly Whitaker Cummings. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am so good. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to Signature Witch. Thank you for having me. Of course. So for those who may, if you're not from the Boston area, maybe that's why you don't know Kelly, but if you are from Boston and you're in the fitness world, like if you don't know Kelly, I don't know why. <laughs> but she is, what is your official title here at Barry's Bootcamp? Um, at Barry's, I am Chief Instructor and Curriculum Lead. Very cool. And you've been with Barry's. I think I just saw you celebrated your ninth anniversary. Nine years. Holy moly. That is Started crazy. from... I don't want to say the bottom, but I started as a manager when we opened in downtown crossing in 20, we opened in 2013. I started as a manager in 2014, started teaching and here I am. Love it. Yay. And what were you, what did you do before Barry's? What was, what did your life look like pre Barry's? So it was not, I mean, it was, there was fitness involved, but it wasn't all about fitness like it is now. I, Went to school for journalism, which I am clearly doing nothing with now. <laughs> um, and then I worked in, I went to the University of Maryland. So I stayed in DC for a couple of years, okay. worked in a communications department of a major union. Wow. Um, this was when Facebook was like just becoming a thing. So I was the youngest person on staff by far. So I was kind of trying to teach everybody. So the newish like social media world. Yeah. Um, moved back home to Boston, worked in finance realized that I was not meant to sit behind a desk. <laughs> Fitness started like becoming a thing here. And yeah. I was like, I got to jump on board this train. Love it. That's so funny. Cause the last episode I interviewed Meg St. Mark, which she also was doing broadcast journalism. And then I have a history in finance. So that's so funny how all this kind of all, all ties of our together. Worlds collide. All collide. I know that's amazing. And you are a mama to two fur babies. I am. And wife to Emily. <laughs> and tell us, it doesn't necessarily have to be about all about personal life, but a little bit of background, like outside of work and everything, you have run more marathons than the years you've been alive. 
which is wild. That was like the first thing before we ever met each other when I found you on Instagram. I'm like, how old is she? And she has ran how many marathons? You're an animal. I'm obsessed. I'm 37 and I've run 39 marathons. Oh, yeah. Berlin will be my 40th. Wow. Yes. Which is like, sounds psychotic. No, it sounds like you're a boss ass <laughs> bitch and you're crushing it. I love it. Nice so girl. how many you've done how many majors then you've done boston you've done Ber- you're gonna do berlin i've actually already done berlin so oh. i've done boston berlin um what, why am i blanking boston because you've done an 800 marathon <laughs> done chicago done new york i have yet to do london and tokyo interesting okay what do you think i mean boston i think is notoriously one of the hardest courses but what do you think was best course worst course or like best experience or Boston is always going to be so special just because it's here. It's home Mm -hmm. Um, because it's so challenging, not only like course wise, but also weather wise, Mm -hmm. like training through the winter. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Like you never really know what you're going to get on the day of. Like you could be training through a cold winter and then get a very hot day. So that's kind of like what makes it so special. You feel like you did it you yeah. feel so badass for like just surviving it totally um i think new york might be the most fun course okay just because every square inch of new york there's people yeah. the only part that doesn't have people are the bridges and you get like such an amazing view of the city so yeah i think new york is magical mm. they're all so special but i would say boston is special because it's home mm-hmm. and new york special because it's a party yeah i love that i we got to watch my brother and my sister-in-law run new york in i think 20 18 2019 i can't remember when it was but it was so much fun literally chasing them all around the city we started in midtown we went out to brooklyn and saw them and then we went to like uptown which the um central park and everything and you're totally right like brooklyn brooklyn was amazing they had literally the speakers out be like no sleep to brooklyn i was like i'm so fired up this was so hyped up and this was like pre any sort of realm of me ever thinking i would ever run a marathon but it was like this would make me want to run a marathon like wild absolutely wild i would say like new york is such a good first marathon because Mm. it feels like a party yeah the whole time i love that I know. And then running Boston, too. Well, now I'm like contemplating New York because of you. But <laughs> peer pressure, baby. I literally two days after Boston, I went to Run Club and Kelly's like, hey, so I know you're just in Boston, but would you do New York? I'm like, can I breathe for four seconds? <laughs> My first like, marathon, four, I three, picked, two, like, one. Okay, arguably the hardest marathon major to run. And I'm like, um, my body is post-trauma. I need a second to breathe. But um, but now you're thinking about it. Now so. I'm thinking about it. I know. But everybody was like, would you do Boston again? again and I was like I absolutely would because I think there was almost like this fun home field advantage of like knowing where I was the whole time and seeing so many people along the route that it was like it almost scared me to think about doing another marathon somewhere else where like I wouldn't know anybody and I wouldn't know where I was but like I don't know New York is definitely one that I would consider no shade to Chicago I kind of feel that way more so than the other majors um chicago i felt the most lost Hmm. during because i didn't know that city at all and that's like mentally exhausting yes that taxes your brain that's my pr course so i have a very special place in my heart (laughs) for chicago because it's so flat and fast and it's still an incredible like course and the spectators are awesome yeah but it is a little scary going into a race that you don't know like where the hell am i yeah Yeah. wow where is this finish line that's crazy that that was your pr though which was what? Do you want to share it? 258.08 Animal. in 2016. Never again. Yeah, like, that's a <laughs> one chapter in my life. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing though. Sub three hour marathon is like nuts. 
that was um like a bucket list thing for me i when i first started running marathons it was more you know just like finishing mm -hmm. i, I love the process of training but i wasn't training in the sense that i'm now training myself and my clients mm. it was more like i mean this was a while ago so yeah. i feel like marathoning wasn't even as big of, or as popular a thing as totally. it is now yeah. so to me my training was like okay just run like 10 miles a day and you'll be good like <laughs> literally God. no strength training like it was just like and i'm also very early on in my 20s yeah. so i was like spring chicken it's spring chicken yeah my knees felt great <laughs> um and then i really once i started like including strength training speed training i realized that i was able to like wow i can actually cut some time off my last pr yeah um so i went from my first marathon was a 405 and then i did a bunch got down to like 315 and i was like okay i really want to so like close. train really hard for this yeah. i want to be able to say that i ran sub three yeah pretty much made running my full-time job for an entire summer i'm mm. going to be honest with you i hated running by the end of it mm. because i felt like i was just married to my watch and yep. like yep. i'm looking at that. yes yeah. looking at my like training plans every day and my splits and like really like beating <laughs> myself up over obsessing it. over yeah. it and if i wasn't hitting my splits like i was pretty hard on myself mm -hmm. i ended up achieving my goal but it was definitely something that it kind of took the joy out of running for me mm -hmm. and now i'm like rediscovering how fun it is to just run i was gonna say because that seems so counter to who you are now like what i love and respect about you so much as a runner is that you're like I find so much joy in it where I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, where and how, where is this joy? How do I find this joy? Like people, especially after when I ran the marathon, they're like, Oh, I didn't know you were a runner. I'm like, I'm not, I'm yes, like, you are. no, but now, now that's my answer. Yeah. If you're physically capable of running, you are a runner, which is like, it was a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around too. But there are so many people that are like, I could never, I'm like, first of all, yes, you could, you give yourself enough time and the right training plan. You absolutely could. It's all baby steps, but it's so, I mean, it's refreshing and it's great to hear you say that where it's like, yeah, I did this crazy ass goal, but it consumed me and it was definitely a battle and a journey to get there. And now you're on the other side of it and you're like, I actually enjoy this. Hence why you've run so many. <laughs> I feel like I'm still struggling with like accepting the fact that yes, I'm getting a little older now. Like I'm not always going to be the fastest, mm -hmm. but I said this to my wife a couple now months ago mm -hmm. and I had a big goal running Chicago last year of trying to hit like 255 ish. Mm. And I woke up that morning and my body was just like, nope, not happening today. Mm. And once again, I was feeling that like pressure that I was putting on myself for literally no, no reason. reason. Yeah. Um, and I said to Em after I finished that race, I was like, you know what? You do not have to be the fastest runner in the world to love it the most. Yeah. Like, truth is really just like, a you thing mm -hmm. and if you can kind of separate you know you might have one goal i tell my clients that i coach all the time like you can't just have one goal in running no. right like you have an a b c goal yeah. a goal might be to break three hours b goal is to like okay finish strong and healthy yep c goal whatever that might look like for you like you would just have to like bear in mind that your body might not always feel 100% that day. Right. You or might not weather, be feeling it. The weather, the, yeah. there's so many outside factors, yeah. which is what makes running so special. Yeah. But it's also so tough at the same time. Totally. No, and I think that one of the biggest things that I learned, because 
like I said, watching my brother and sister-in-law run New York and even my father-in-law, my father-in-law was a big time marathoner. Um, like I was like, I, you guys are sickos that you like, love you get Why are you doing this? But in the process of running Boston and I ran Boston in memory of my father-in-law and that was like a very much a driving factor for me of like seeing what he went through he went through cancer and treatments and all of that and I'm like okay he went through that and I have to go run a measly five miles six miles like that's nothing and but it was very cool to like you think your body has a certain limit and you really just push it like one percent more and one percent more and one percent more and all those little one percents add up and it's like holy shit I still to this day to this day it's only been like two months now but I'm like I can't believe I fucking did that like it's amazing I can't fucking believe and I was like snot rocket crying on like Hereford <laughs> and Boylston I'm like this is actually even I mean the mental part of it is huge and I ran with my friend Erin who we were friends in high school we actually weren't friends in high school lol she's gonna be on the bottom we're gonna do a whole marathon recap but um the whole time we both knew that it was so mental that like nothing that came out of our mouth was negative we promised each other that it was like we feel great we feel outstanding we're doing great whether or not we were or weren't it was like we refused to even breathe a word of like i'm feeling a cramp i think i have a blister and it was pouring obviously we had blisters toenails were floating in our sneakers like so gross so gross it's such a gross part but like it's what it is but then it's like but then you you're just like all of a sudden we're like holy god we're in framingham oh my god we're in brookline holy shit that's like a sicko sign and it's like you get to that point where you're like, wow, I'm actually going to fucking do this. Like I knew I was going to, but no, like I'm really going to do it. So such an insane feeling to like get on the other side of it. I think as adults, like, I don't know why I always think of this, but I feel like our entire like first quarter life, we have all these like milestones that we're hitting. Mm. Like you graduate high school, Mm. you like either go to college, you don't go to college, whatever your journey is. But then you like even before graduating high school like you're looking forward to getting your driver's license prom like homecoming all these like little milestones Mm -hmm. and then nobody ever tells you like (laughs) after you hit age like 21 when you can like you know have your first legal beer whatever right nobody tells you that those milestones kind of like aren't guaranteed or Mm -hmm. like they might stop Mm -hmm. so i feel like once you hit a certain point you either like have to find something that keeps you like giving you something to look forward to right yeah um and for me that was running Mm. and like every finish line is like such a milestone whether or not it's like a terrible race or not yeah and i feel like it's very hard to avoid like settling into a routine Yeah, yeah so for me running and i'm trying to like get other people to realize this too like it doesn't matter what the running goal is it might be like i'm gonna run for five minutes today without stopping yeah or like i'm gonna run 3,000 miles in a year or I'm going to break three hours in a marathon like all of these goals they're what keeps us going you know like and for me I just think it's such an incredibly powerful sport because the goals don't stop right like yeah you can always pick a new like running goal yeah you can always refine and tweak and make it a little bit better totally i love that and that's so true and like i feel like after you get to 21 then it becomes like when are you getting married are you gonna have kids and it's like what if those aren't those aren't goals i I hate when people are like like getting married is not a goal having children is not a goal they are definitely like things to be proud of in your life if you have found like a life partner that so you guys could support each other or whatever and or being able to procreate if you can great if you can't whatever but that has been something especially in the last 10 years that I'm like what else are you doing with your life like I don't want to just hear that you're 
a husband or a wife or that you're a mom or a dad or whatever like what are you who are you like those are i don't know i hate it probably people are probably gonna like kill me over this but i'm like those are like secondary things to me like who are you as a person and how are you showing up because then i hear a lot of people like after they do get married or have kids they're like my life is just now my kids and like what is my identity and who am i and i I've seen and respect a lot of people in the running world because it's things like that where it's like, no, I need to go out for my run. This is my time and this is what I'm doing for me, whether in those goals types of things. So I love that, that you acknowledge that of the whole, your your whole beginning of your life is checkpoint after checkpoint, goal, milestone after milestone, whatever. Um, and then we get to the other side and we're like, what the hell are we doing? Right, keeping that like sense of self yeah. is so important, especially yeah. in a world where like, I feel like our boundaries are so blurred. Like. Mm. A lot of us feel like we have to be reachable yeah. for work, yeah. for friends, for like commitments that put other people first all the time. Yep. So I feel like while I try to make running such a community thing, it's also so very much an individual thing. So mm-hmm. it's very important to have that balance. Yes. I like that. I can just throw a podcast in. Yep. There, there's your little plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw this podcast in and like run and just kind of like forget about everything Turn else out. for a while. Yeah, I love that. So given that this is like signature, which I like to ask people, the premise of it is like, what is your life signature? So again, me looking at you, I would say your life signature is crushing marathons, but what would you Kelly Whitaker coming say your life signature is? So I would say that my life signature used to be crushing marathons. Mm. I think in the last few years, especially like coming out of a world where like we were very much isolated for a couple of years. Mm. I think my life signature is now like helping others find the joy of running. Love. I find so much, like I used to be a very selfish runner. Mm. Like my whole, like my goals were so like me driven for mm. a very long time. Like I always wanted to like place or like, I thought every race that I was going to run was going to be a PR. And like, mm. I was super, not that it was a bad thing, but it felt like very selfish. Yeah. Um, and now I just, I've accepted the fact that like, okay, I hit a bunch of personal goals that I really like, I'm very proud of, Mm -hmm. but I find more joy in like running with others and Mm -hmm. like coaching others and like hopefully inspiring others. Like, I think it's more impressive to me to show others that like, again, like I said before, you do not have to be the fastest runner. You do not have to run the farthest Mm -hmm. to love it the most. Right. Like helping others just find that like running is so much more than just like a a task that we had to do in high school, like the time mile, like (laughs) trying to like change that narrative that like running is not a punishment. Correct. Um, And I mean, not everybody's going to love it, but the ones that are open to it, I think you can really discover a lot about yourself and others. So that's kind of become my goal in life. I love that. And I think, I mean, I think you're crushing that too, especially we do our run club on Wednesdays and everything. And I met so many people there that, and even on Instagram too, you can see like, the stuff that people post and tag you in and you repost it, like they're posting about enjoying their runs, which is like so different from like, you see all people all the, all the time posting their watches of like, this is my mileage, this is my split, whatever. <laughs> but it's refreshing to see you are creating, I feel like this new wake and this new stream of runners that are like, party pace i love it that you call it party pace. party pace party pace parade pace i was calling boston when i ran boston I'm like we're going up parade pace like it is a parade. It's parade town boston's parade town so um but i love that because that's that's what it really is like i formerly when i would go out and run if it was like i have a three mile run i'm i'm 
borderline sprinting it because I just wanted to be over with versus then when I had to start tiptoeing into the world of long runs where I was like, all right, this is what we're doing for the next two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> like, buckle up, baby. Here we go. Like, you better find the joy in it because this is a long time to think it sucks. Be so. alone with your thoughts. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and that was actually something too, where a lot of people were like, oh, what do you listen to on your long runs? And like, at the beginning, I was listening to music because I'm very musically driven and I would find songs that would help keep my cadence up and things like that. But then once I felt good about my cadence, I would maybe listen to podcasts. But then it was like, I'm listening to podcasts, but then I'm also thinking about other things. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just shutting it all off. Like, I love to just go out and think about things and then have to, I'm a very spiritual person, not necessarily religious, but spiritual. I also consider myself psychic medium, which I think everybody is, but that's a whole other podcast episode we'll get into. But it's it's cool, like when you go out and you start to like just have these thoughts or have chats with your angels or whatever, and then like you start to notice either signs along the way or like just certain things pop up that make you think of other things or people and it's very, it can be a very fun and spiritual journey for people. But if it's not a task, you have to like not approach it like a task. You have to just go in and be open to whatever. I feel like that's so important. I mean, like some people listen to music. I don't listen to music on my runs. Like occasionally I will, but I'm a big podcast girl. I'm a big true crime podcast girl. Mm, yes. I scare the hell out of myself. I'm not <laughs> I was going to say that um, all up your face. <laughs> run a little faster. Um, but I do think it gives you like such an opportunity to like connect with yourself mm. i just like there's so much noise in the outside world when you're not like actively shutting it out yeah um and i just think like it's so important for people to do that and i consider like i cannot sit still so i consider <laughs> like running my meditation yeah um and i just think like even if you're not like even if you go out without a watch on or like no mm -hmm. plan for the run mm -hmm. just like allow yourself to like think yeah. like be alone with your thoughts even if that scares you yeah. like i think that is terrifying so for people mm -hmm. i think even like if i know if you get in the shower people will put on a podcast or the radio or you're driving or whatever like and i think becoming a fitness instructor has helped me and we were just talking about it as we I came into the barry studio we were going to do it out in the lobby and we're like can we shut the music off actually we'll do it in the studio and the girl at the front desk was like actually i'm just going to keep the music off because in this industry that's like all you hear all day is music so level 1000 all the time but but the original point of like we are constantly without even thinking about it just filling our days with noise of whether it's listening to music or listening to podcasts or whatever that even asking people to do like just sit and do a meditation for 10 minutes it's like torture because they don't want to just sit and be in their own brain but i think until you do that and until you really like confront whatever you're trying to avoid in your brain like i don't know i don't know really where i was going with that but it's just like i hope people can like learn that it's okay to be in those thoughts and it's okay if you have kind of like scary dark thoughts it's like sit and think about why do you have them and explore it then you have content in your brain for an hour plus long run. <laughs> I know. And you're like forced to kind of like think through it as, I mean, as you're getting your miles in. So yeah. you're kind of multitasking. Yeah. Walk and chew and gum. Yeah. Run and sit with your thoughts. <laughs> oh. So another thing I was going to ask you about. So I know you ran Boston in 2013. Speaking of like kind of stark, scary times. I had no idea until you had posted a picture and I don't know why I had seen in recent years, like the pick, like the time on the clock when it happened and having run Boston, like I kind of was slating what my approximate time would be. And when the bombs went off, it was like all of the elites and the like 
relatively pretty fast people had already crossed the finish line. This was when it was like very much, I don't want to say the normal runners or the normal humans, but like a lot of the people who were running for charity and a lot of people who could have been like their first, it was after like the four hour mark, right? It was right around, so I finished in four hours. Right. And I finished eight seconds before the bombs went off. So, yeah, it was like, it was right on the four hour mark, which is a very, I don't want to say average time, but that's around the time. And I was running for a charity that year. So, yeah, it was primarily charity runners crossing at that time. Literally, when you posted that picture, it was like, I felt like a gut punch, too. So, it was just like, holy shit. Like, I know a lot of people who were affected by it directly, but, like, I think you were the person that was absolutely, at least physically, the closest to it. Um, Has that impacted you and your, obviously, definitely probably had an impact on your life, but how do you think that that experience has either shaped you or helped make you grow or... So this is actually a good segue, talking about being alone with your thoughts. So Mm. this was a thing that happened. Um... 10 years ago. I, so I had already run a bunch of, just a quick little backstory. Mm-hmm. I had run a bunch of marathons, but I had never run Boston. And Boston was always like the dream for me. And at this point I was like, qualifying would never happen for me. This was like at the height of, like I was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I was just like kind of discovering like how to incorporate like actual training plans into running. But yeah. I still was like qualifying for Boston is like so far beyond like, yeah my goal range yet yeah yeah yeah. um so i did end up running with a charity Mm -hmm. um it was my first boston the day was like so perfect Mm -hmm. it was like not a cloud in the sky like so typically like perfect day boston um and so i crossed the finish line i actually was with a coworker of mine at the time and we literally like turned around you ran it like if there's i said this to my wife before she ran boston for the first time this year like if there's a moment where you feel like you are a legitimate celebrity, it's running down Boylston. Like, there's literally nothing like that feeling in the entire world. Yeah. And I know even people that spectate every year, like, they feel the same way. It's just, like, such a special, yeah. like, runway. several hundred feet runway. runway yes. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, like, turned around, took it all in, and then, like, the world was literally rocked. Yeah. Um, I physically lost i had some damage to my hearing from it just because i was so close to the impact saw everything like Mm. it it was i'm not going to get into the details but it was like extremely scarring yeah um and for months after i like really swore off running i was honestly scared shitless it scared me so badly i was like i'm never gonna run again i had pretty intense survivor's guilt because i felt like because I was there and I finished, mm. I inadvertently was like why people were out there mm. and got injured and like had this like horrible thing happen to them. Yeah. I, I couldn't shake it. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I went nine years of like trying to push it out of my, I, I cope with it in other ways. Yeah. I, I obviously started running again. I really, that was when I decided that I was gonna make running my passion, but I never really confronted the PTSD that was left from it. Mm. Um, I was, I finally had like my full blown, like I'm gonna call it a psychotic break about it last year. And I'm very open about this. I was taken to McLean hospital. Mm. I was in an involuntary hold for it. Mm. It was like all the demons from that day kind of caught up with me. Mm. So ever since then for the past year, I've really been trying to like head on address this. Mm. 
and this was the first year that I, and it was the 10 year anniversary. And I feel like for the first time I was able to like fully take in like how special this race is and how special this city is. And I just felt like more connected to it than ever before. Yeah. Um, I think it affected people in so many different ways. And I know like there's no right or wrong way to handle like a traumatic incident like that. But I think taking something so horrible and making it something so special is something that Boston as a city did so very well. Mm. And it was just like very incredible to be out there this year. I was very scared going into it. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel going into it on the 10th anniversary, but it was just such an incredible day. Had you run it in between then? I had. Okay. Um, but just with it being the anniversary, I feel like there was more attention being drawn to it than yeah. in years prior. For sure. Um, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. I think like not addressing these things or like not making, like not giving anniversaries and like people a chance to really like be open about it and grieve about it and like share their experiences is like a huge misstep yeah miss, a huge mess um so i think i just rambled but no no not at all. long story short like that was really the like catalyst for change for me both personally and kind of like what do i want to do with my life yeah. like at that time i was not even i hadn't really ventured into the world of fitness yet mm-hmm. marathoning was still like my like side gig mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i just think like that was really what showed me that running is pretty much what i want to do with my life thank you so so much for sharing that that's like one of the most powerful things i hope people hear if not this week this month their life hopefully um and like you're right and i think having it be the 10 year to like running down boylston was a flutter flurry of emotions i think it is anyway but i was acutely aware of that like going in my husband and i went in on saturday to go pick up my bib and all of that and after we went to the convention center we went outside and we were just walking boylston and like you saw the whole mural on the wall where it was like running Boston changes you. And I was, and that made me emotional. I'm going to get emotional now thinking about it too. But then like they have both of the um, memorials at both of the sites and there was a runner that had her 2013 jacket on and she just went and sat next to the, the memorial and she was just visibly upset. And several people went over to her and they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she just, she nodded and she was like, absolutely. She's like, I just need, I just need this. I need to just sit here. And we were, everybody was like, okay. And everybody like respected it. And everybody definitely, I think deals with it differently. Um, but another kind of cool moment for me was at athletes village. I was in the charity gym. Luckily it was raining that morning. I was like, I feel so special here being in this charity. Yeah, I, think. I know. Right. But this was the last year that MR team MR8 will be running and it was I literally still I can't even find words for it but like Martin's friends ran like Martin Richards they were finally old enough that they could run the race and their brother his brother Henry was there and I made it a point to go over and say hi to him because um when the bombings happened I was a senior in college and I was um in the dance club I was an Irish dancer but her little sister Jane was an Irish dancer and she lost her leg and I just remember the whole Irish dance community rallying around her and their family and just went over to Henry and was like I just need to say like hi and like I'm sorry but thank you and like all of these things and emotions and he was just like thank you so much like it really means a lot and it's just I can't imagine like 
going down Boylston and having all those emotions anyway of like, holy shit, I did this. And this was an amazing day. It's a beautiful day. And you're like, your soul is like already left your body at that point. Like you don't even know what's going on, which way is up. So I cannot imagine you cross that finish line and literally eight seconds later, the whole world blows up, like legit in your face. And so, I, I mean, I respect you so much for, like I said, sharing that and being so open about it. And I think I'm sure that there's a lot of people that had similar experiences to you where it was like, I mean, you had a little bit of hearing loss, but like me- mentally things like you never, it's harder to confront things that are mental because if it's not physical, you can't feel it, you can't see it. It's hard and not as easy to address. And I mean, I not the, at all the same thing, but I've experienced somewhat similar things personally. So it's like, it does take, there's a saying I heard someone say once of like the universe will throw a lot of little pebbles at your window until it throws a brick in your face. And like, sometimes that you got to eat some brick and confront your, yeah. Um, I now see an amazing therapist pretty regularly, which I did not do before. Highly recommend to everybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But one thing that she taught me is that like trauma is not a competition. No. Like, I think that is something that will stick with me for forever. I felt like I had no right Mm. to be so upset about things because I didn't have the physical wounds. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask that, but I wasn't sure how to go about asking it. So yes, thank you for, and I think that's a, that's a big thing. Like even if you weren't even in the range of like, even if you weren't even aware that the marathon was going on that day, it was, it happened on a day that I think, Running 39 marathons, nothing will compare to Boston because it's the only city that gets like fully into it. Yeah. Like no shade to other cities, yeah. but once you leave that finish line area or the course, mm-hmm. like I mean, you walk to yeah, mm-hmm. like for instance in New York, like the whole city comes out, but like it's very easy to like carry on and not realize that a marathon's going on, yeah. right? Like you in other cities that I've run a marathon in, like you walk a couple blocks to the right or the left of the finish line, and people are like oh, what race did you, what is, like, you have your medal on. They don't know that it's happening. Whereas here, like, the whole city wears, like, blue and yellow. Boston, it's not even just the city. It's all the way out to Hopkinton. It's honestly, like, all of New England. Like, people, like, put, like, Boston Marathon flags on their houses. And, like, Boston Strong has just become, like, such a, like, catchphrase for so many things. Mm -hmm. And I just think, like, they really did, like, mess with the wrong city because i feel like again like as horrible as it was i think it really like the city really rallied together and Mm -hmm. again like you didn't have to be right there to feel the trauma of that day right and i think it's like if there's anybody listening that still like feels like they're not in the right spot to grieve for that event Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. don't feel like no you know like you are more than okay to be in your feelings about it and i love that like you said trauma is not a competition and i think that that's applicable to so many things grieving same thing whether it's a a death and it doesn't even have to be related to this marathon or any of the marathon but like death or nothing nothing is a competition it's just like it's okay to be upset and to still feel it and to confront it and deal with it in your own way. And I commend you for like, for still running it. Like there, I'm sure there are people that ran in 2013 and they haven't ever run it since because it's still very scarring for them. Mm -hmm. 
So what was it like running it the first time again? What year did you run again after it? So I actually, because I had finished, I crossed the finish line. I didn't even have enough time to make it to like the water and the metal stop. Um, Which is I was literally pretty right much there. like ushered out of like, I was like literally swept up Whistle in the chaos. Yeah. Um, they took us to like the Weston, which is right next to where we are right now. And mm-hmm. like, I had to like try to meet up with my family members. It was just like a lot. Yeah. Um, so there was about 50 of us that were like, had finished in that time span that like had crossed the finish line, but didn't get the medal. Mm. So the BAA actually like so generously offered me, um, uh, entry for the following year so i did run it in 2014 i had my okay. bid from 2013 on my back good for you and that like this past year was amazing because it was a 10-year anniversary but holy shit yeah. 2014 was like so incredible because to be honest like the day was the same pretty much as mm. the previous year it was like a perfect spectating day a little on the warm side for runners but i'm never <laughs> gonna complain about that um but that even whole that alone could be yet. triggering because yeah. like one thing I've learned about trauma is that even if you've resolved it in your mind, your body remembers. Yep. And so that must have been a very. It was. I think at that moment, it was more like it felt very, like redemption, mm. like mm-hmm. actually getting to take in the finish line. Um, yeah. What was like, that like going on Boylston? Was it did you feel it was scary, but it was also like so incredibly powerful. Uh, just like fuck you yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes (laughs) i love that good for you that's like i don't know i don't could never even imagine truly so fuck yeah good for you thank you (laughs) and thank you too for and i didn't i didn't know necessarily that that was the journey that brought you to your sobriety journey which i can now relate and you were one of the biggest inspirations for me to do that i saw you Mm -hmm. posting about it it's it's funny how like I don't know mine just started out of doing 75 hard and i was like oh this isn't that bad and i have love and other drugs that i can do <laughs> but like but seeing other people like you and then i have like a cousin who's also alcohol free and things like seeing other people do it and being like oh they're fine like it's very motivating and very reassuring that it's like just because society has had this so ingrained in us like doesn't mean you have to necessarily still do it so um i love that you and emily both do it right you're both yes. alcohol free um i just felt like it's very easy for me to tell a lot of people that it's just like not conducive to my lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, which I think it was a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love, I loved drinking. Mm-hmm. I really like. Same. I generally like yeah. enjoyed nice the margarita. taste. Yeah. I liked, you know, being in an industry where like you get it, you're constantly expected to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was kind of my like downtime, like yeah, nice having like a beer or two at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when I really started taking a deep dive while I was at McLean and realized that all of my triggers were caused by being drunk, Mm. right? Like I was drinking and it was leading me to like, it was dredging up these memories Mm -hmm. that I had not processed and Mm. I hadn't taken steps for myself. And it kind of got me thinking like, okay, maybe I am like self-medicating with alcohol a little bit. Mm. Like, I'm realizing now being alcohol free that I am more of an anxious person than I even realized. Like Mm -hmm. I would always drink before going on a flight and now I'm on a flight and I am the most nervous flyer ever. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God, like 
what if we had turbulence and yeah. like the wing falls off? Like I'm literally like you're hyper aware. So, I'm hyper aware. <laughs> yeah. um, Whereas before you'd be like whatever. Yeah, I'd be like I'll have a couple glass yeah. of wine. I'll have a couple beers. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I realized that that was a very easy first step for me to cut out of my life in order to take the steps that I needed to heal. Mm-hmm. And I never expected Emily to like be completely sober with me, mm. but she kind of felt the same way. Like, again, she's had her own shit that she's had to deal with in her life. And it's very easy to like hide that mm-hmm. by going out and like drinking and not addressing things. Totally. And I'm so beyond grateful for her to be for being such a supportive partner. And now it's like, now we look back and we're like, why did we need to like, we didn't need to like have all those like nights out, right, you know, like right. again, I fully would never expect her to go like the rest of her life without alcohol. And I know I will just because I love how I feel mm. without it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not encouraging anybody to be like a hard stop on it for forever, but yeah. I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, I'm a little bit sober curious. Like, mm-hmm. what is it like? And I just think like, if you have those thoughts for one reason or another, whether it be for like your health or your mental health, yep. physical health, yep. whatever, mm-hmm. um, saving money. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, just try it for a week or two, and I guarantee you're going to, like, learn some fun shit about yourself. Definitely. And it's funny you say that about the money. because So you were the one that shared the I Am Sober app, and that's I downloaded it because I'm very much a person of, like, I love a streak. I love, like, a we've been doing this for X amount of time and whatever. Yes. So I started doing that. But then you can put into, like, based off of approximately how much you were drinking per week, like, I think I just put in even if it was, like, 15 bucks a week. And that's a very conservative number. Like, one margarita in Boston. Max, right. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, like, watching as the weeks go by, the amount of money that we're saving. Like, my husband and I go out, Paul and I, Paul's like, you're a cheap date. I love this. I'm like, no, 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 honey. We're getting the apps and the dessert, and we'll make up for it in other ways. (laughs) So, but, no, I totally agree. And and I already knew I was an anxious person, and alcohol was gaslighting on that fire um but it's just like it's so nice like you wake up and you're not hungover or like and I think training for the marathon like I so 75 hard brought me to like March and then I was like well I'm still training for the marathon I'm just going to keep going through April and then after the marathon I admittedly did have one drink after the marathon but it was more of a medicated Celebra- that yeah. was that was self-medicating 100% because I did you know, celebrate literally so that was my that's the one drink I've had since January 2nd but it's just like I don't know like I I really feel holistically a lot better and like I I totally agree if there are people that are even a little bit curious just try it what's the worst that happens? You want to have another drink and you just have one? Okay, fine. Live your life. Live your life. I'm not going to sit here and try to be on a soapbox and be like, everybody needs to be sober. Absolutely not. But I don't know. So for me and my journey, it really was, I mean, I wake up very early. I I travel a lot for my job. I'm now like leading trainings up and down the East Coast, which I love. But it was very easy for me to like want to go out and like drink with the trainers in other cities and Mm -hmm. then like still get up and like be taking a million classes a day and running outside and just like yeah i felt like it was just chipping away yeah and i think last year was like my real wake-up call that like something's got to change yeah or you're going to lose some things people humans jobs Mm -hmm. that you really care about yeah um so like everybody has their own reasons for doing it and kudos to you for like taking that step and again like I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. I'll never be the person to like 
preach sobriety to anybody, but I do, if you're thinking about it, like I strongly encourage it. Yeah. No, because I even think back to like college. I played softball in college and we had 48 hour rule. And I just feel like this is so dumb. Like, why are we doing this? And it's like, because alcohol actually does affect your body for 48 hours. And like, I never really fully registered that until I got on the other side of it. And I was like, oh, wow, I actually do feel good. From, yeah. Like, I don't know. So, no, I love that. All right. So what else? What other you got? You guys love going up to Maine. Well, love going up to Wells Maine. Um, now it's like tying back into like the whole sober thing. Like it's been yeah. a really fun journey finding other things to do mm-hmm. socially. Yes. Um, Isn't it crazy how much we crazy. actually base? My best friend just said that for, she was trying to plan my birthday and she was like, She's like, I thought we could maybe go to a winery. And then I was like, no. And then it's just like brewery. No. So now we're going to go up to like, I can't remember. It's like Ladyfinger's Tea Lounge or something up in Newburyport. Love and I'm that. like, hell yeah. And she's like, I would have never thought of this if it wasn't because, and, she, and it's not like anybody's trying to tiptoe around me, like not drinking. Like I can very much be in an environment with other people drinking, but it does. It makes you think of more creative ways and more things to do other than just like going to a bar and getting a drink. Like, absolutely. Uh-huh. So like luckily the summer there's so many other things to do outside so we're big beach people yeah i love we go up to, we have a house up in maine so we go up there on the weekends um take the dogs yeah love it Shout i out feel to Charlie like and <laughs> the, the fur babies um i feel like we're like such creatures of habit now though mm-hmm. i'm like there are so many times that i'm like I hope nobody is not inviting us to things because they know we're not going to be mm. drinking mm-hmm. with them anymore. But I feel like it, it's a little awkward at first. And then, like you said, like, it's so easy to find, like, yeah. your stride, even if other people are drinking around you. So totally. lots of outdoors time. Yep. Lots of sleeping on the beach. Yes. Trying Damn. to pick up a book. I need to start reading again. <laughs> so if anybody has book suggestions, send them my way. Your girl Kate. Uh, Kate's, no, Kate's been them. <laughs> I know every day I see her posting in a book. I'm like, I need to add this to my list. But uh, no, but I love that. And I think it's it does force you to, to step outside your comfort zone and start to find other things. Um, yeah. <laughs> what else? I mean, I'm trying to think of like... Is there anything else, like any other questions either you have for me or that any other areas of, that you want the audience to know? Put me on the spot here. I know. Um, Had you on the spot for 45 minutes. I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to actually give you a shout out and thank you so much for being such a like power, powerful presence in my like run community journey. Um, I'm One of my goals is I teach 15 classes a week at Barry's. That's my full-time job. Love it so very much. But I do think Boston is such a running city. Mm. Um, And again, like a lot of people are going to think I'm throwing a lot of shade, but I'm just going to (laughs) say like a lot of the running clubs that I found in Boston, um, they felt very competitive to me. Mm. Um, So I've been kind of on a crusade to build a community of runners that not, uh, not all of them are runners. Like people that like to move their bodies. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to like break the stigma of like, you have to be a legit runner in Boston to be like, be part of a run club. So, um, I have a run club that I do out of Nike and Chestnut Hill on Wednesdays that you've been such an active, you're my hype girl. So thank you. (laughs) Um, but really just like trying to forge more of those like little pockets of like people that like to move together. Yeah. Um, that goes hand in hand with like the idea of 
social events that don't involve like drinking yeah. or like going out until two o'clock in the morning because no, no thank you. No. If I'm not in I have bed to be by hours. 15, like <laughs> yeah. it's past my bedtime. Right. Um, so I just like want to strongly encourage people to like find these little groups because mm-hmm. they do exist out there. Yeah. Um, come out to Chestnut Hill on Wednesdays. Yes. Like, yes reach out to people and ask your friends to like go for a walk or go for a run and like move your bodies in like a healthy way i think for me like i've found a new group of friends and human beings that like yes we maybe started our friendship or relationship based on like running or something physical but it's turned into much more than that Mm. i feel like my i feel accomplished when this is now the second run club that i've helped create Mm. um it makes my heart so happy to see like even when i'm not there like i have people that started going to these run clubs and now they're really good friends they're like hanging outside out outside of like this 25 minute run right like they're meeting up on the weekends to go for a run and to me like i feel like i've done my job if i've created a space for people who might be struggling to find you know like what i'm an adult now it's very hard to make friends like (laughs) where do i go to like find people with the same interests as me totally and boston i think is such a city too where people I mean, a lot of people that are born and raised here stay here, but I do think it's also a city that attracts a lot of people from outside places that it's hard to find friends like and it's in these little run clubs or other types of things in the community are where you would find and make friends and things that you'd like to do. Um, but yeah, no, I, I commend you too for like clear. <laughs> I know shout out to like our friends, uh, Liz and um, Aaron, Aaron. Yeah, there's their mini Sunday run club. I love it <laughs> because like, yeah, you very clearly like sparked the joy in, in us to be able to then want to go out and do more. And that's amazing. And that goes right in line with your life your signature and it like takes a little bit to get out of your comfort zone to go to these things like it is a little nerve-wracking to do something new that's like out of like i always when i've gone to like a couple run clubs that on my own i was like very nervous going into it i was like these people all know each other they're all good friends like Mm -hmm. what if i can't keep up Mm -hmm. like that is not the vibe i feel like and again, I keep saying runners. We have an amazing like hawker walk group. Oh, hell yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. Um, so I feel like even if you like if running the whole time isn't your journey, like mm-hmm. just know that there are like minded people out there yeah. and like reach out to us. Because if you can't make it on Wednesdays, I know a lot of people that want to get into this like movement yeah thing no totally <laughs> no and i love the run club too because it's like there are definitely people there that are crushing like seven eight minute miles but i am very much the i love i'm usually the caboose and i love it the little nine to ten minute mile people we love the caboose but, yeah because <laughs> it's just i don't know i was just like a little trot little party pace um but yeah no we love it was definitely like the first and that's the first time i've ever done a run club because it was just like post-marathon you had reached out and you were like I'm doing the spunk club. I would love to have you come down. And I was like, okay, well, first of all, I was like, thank you for the invitation because I don't know if you're interested in human design at all, but I'm a human design projector and I love an invitation. So like having that invitation, I was like, Kelly wants me there. Okay, I'll go. And then, but then like showing up and like you said, I didn't know anybody else that was there, but everybody is super welcoming. They're super friendly. Um, There's all different paces. Uh, We got two different routes, a mile and a half, two and a half miles. but it's been so fun meeting new people and like, and realizing too, like 
the root of it is just being joyful and running. It's not a competition. Nobody's racing each other. I know you have this little fly going around here. <laughs> well, but, Charlie's racing everyone. My golden retriever is oh, racing literally everyone. Charlie drags Kelly through the course. Drags me. And then we make it 0.10 miles. And then he stops and goes to the bathroom. And everybody has to hurdle over him. And it's just become like our routine. And then we sprint to catch up with everyone. I mean, so. I give him credit. Well, he's a city boy. I was going to say. he The fact that he takes a poop on concrete, I'm like, you're so lucky. Oh, crosswalks like in the middle of traffic. He's just like Sasha an inconvenient like, pooper. She needs like the most luscious green grass to take a poop. And it's the most obnoxious She's a diva. Thing. She's such a diva. <laughs> and Sasha Fierce. But <laughs> Sasha Fierce is my dog. It's actually not Beyonce. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, so that I love that you started, well, started, co-started, however it worked out with Nike and doing the run club. Um, and again, I don't know any different, so I don't know what any other run clubs are like, but I'm there on Wednesdays if anybody wants to join. Um, but yeah. would love to have everybody there. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on this. I so appreciate you. Thank and you I, for having me. Of course. It's so fun. I think this will definitely, in a multitude of ways, hopefully resonate with a lot of people and motivate, inspire life on the other side of I know it's scary to start running or it's scary to maybe not drink or whatever the thing is like you can find joy sometimes it takes something that scares you to realize a lot about you as a person Mm. and kind of forces you to like figure out what your journey is Mm. um sometimes out of the darkness comes a really bright shiny light Oh my God. We have to end on that. We have to end on that. Perfect. All right. How can people find you? Instagram. Instagram, KJW227. Um, I'm very responsive to that. So. And you teach Barry's Back Bay, Downtown Crossing. And Chestnut Hill. Hill. I'm all over the place. Burbs, baby. I'm a big And Run Club on Wednesdays. And Run Club on Wednesdays. (laughs) Catch us there. All right. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. you. Love you. This episode was created and produced by Melissa Dudek with music by Lord Uncle Dave and Azalea Banks. Be sure to follow the Signature Witch podcast on whatever your preferred platform is. You can follow me on Instagram at Wadman Dudek, which is W-A-D-M-A-N, dude with a K. Be sure to tag me when you listen, rate the episode if you loved it, and then be sure to tune in next week for another captivating conversation about how hard is a relative term. I'm Melissa Dudek. Thanks for listening to Signature Witch.